Last week, what we we, taught, we we started our first parts dealing with uh, the laws of boundaries, and the laws of boundaries were meant to uh, give you some practical uh, practical guidelines or practical tools uh, that can uh, um, help you create health, healthy boundaries in your life, uh, so that um, uh, you 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 to help relate to maybe some of your guys' different life circumstances or maybe circumstances that you've had in your life before where, where uh, certain boundaries might have not been in place and, certain, and things can get out of control. And some of those, those laws that we went over, five, five principles, what well, you call them laws, you can call them principles, um, but five things, we talked about reaping and sowing, um, responsibility, we talked about the law of power, Law of respect and the law of motivation. And if you want to hear in more detail about what those are about, we, we do re, we do record the session, so you can always go back and catch up and listen to what those ones are. Uh, tonight, we're there's five more laws, uh, and it's the second part of, of the law part uh, the the law part and boundaries, um, the different principles that you guys can apply in your life. And like I say every week, is uh, we try to take everything. Whether it's a book we pulled off the shelf, written by a Christian writer, written by any kind of writer, whatever material we receive, books, something we see on the television, whatever, whatever we see, we always try to, um, we always try to look, look at it through the lens of a, uh, uh, a Jesus perspective, a, a biblical perspective. Uh, what, what would God say about this? What would the Bible say about this. So when it comes to boundaries, um, we want to be able to take everything that we process in our lives when it comes to boundaries, when it comes to uh, our own personal boundaries, our boundaries with our relationships, our boundaries with our finances, whatever the case may be, we want to give a biblical perspective. We talked about in the first week that the biblical perspective of boundaries, I believe, is another, is what, what I would call stewardship. We are all to be stewards uh, good stewards of the things that are given to us. Every one of us um, is not owed anything. But every one of us is given something by God. God gives us, you know, the air to breathe. Uh, God gives us um, the relationships that we have in our life. God gives us um, everything. Every single thing God gives us. And when He gives us that, uh, for some it may be a little, for some it may be a lot, and it, that can fluctuate during in seasons. But no matter what or how much God gives you, He asks us to take care of it. And every one of us, this in the simplest form, is given our health, is given our bodies, and is giving us maybe some people that we are responsible for in our lives as well. And so even... even uh, you know, every one of us has that, and so we're all called to be good stewards of at least something. Just like we talked about in the first week, the very first steward was Adam. He was given everything. He was given the garden. He was given life. He was given uh, domain over the birds, over the animals, everything. And what had happened is, um, even though he was given everything, he wasn't still satisfied with what God had given him and he wanted even more than everything. And that's the issue when boundaries are usually crossed. Is we aren't content with what God has provided for us 
and we try to uh, veer away from God's plan and what God desires for our life, and we go after something else. We go after this 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 thing out in the distance. For Adam, it was they they it, it was this tree. For us, it could be your tree could be something completely different. It could be a romantic relationship. It could be a a uh, a financial situation or. Uh, it could be some a car, uh, whatever the case may be. Some our tree, although it, it, it isn't exactly what Adam had, it is very much similar to what he was dealing with. And so, when when that's the case, and we desire after something that God didn't intend for us, that's when boundaries get really out of control. And so, my wife is going to continue. Uh, talking about boundaries and how and how when we do go after this tree out in the distance and this this thing that uh, that that God didn't intend for us and things do get out of control uh, we talked about the first five principles on how to get your life back in control mm-hmm. and so tonight uh, Jonathan's going to uh, start us off and giving us five more things on uh, possible ways on how to get our life back in control so number six um, since we did one through five last week, so number six this week is the law of evaluation. So I really like this one because I'm totally goal oriented. Like I have a things to do list, I check it off. I'm very, very, you know, my kids have charts and fun things like that just to, you know, so we're all clear. But even in or like finances, when we have or you know, you you, you go okay, we're this much in debt. You we can't bite up the whole thing at once. You know, definitely we talked about the debt. You can't, you can't go. I have ten thousand dollars worth of debt, and do you have ten thousand dollars? You probably wouldn't have the debt. You actually had the ten thousand dollars today to mark, you know, get, get rid of that debt. But one of the things with evaluation is to say, when I let's put all my finances in the pot. What, where am I spending my money? Where can I cut back on? Where? But when we put it on paper, when we actually put down the black and white, and we can evaluate what is good, what is bad, what can we do about it? Is there something we can do about it? And so they did a whole long thing. But when I looked at it, I said, evaluation, it's just that simple. Evaluate where you are. And sometimes that says writing it down. Sometimes evaluating the best thing to do is black and white, is saying, I have all these feelings. And sometimes even writing all those feelings down and saying, so what's God given? What do I need to change? What Can I change any of these things? Or am I just having to sit here? and do nothing, because sometimes evaluating you go, we have these conversations a lot, we have a lot on our plate, is there something we can give up? Or is there absolutely nothing we can give up and it's just a really rough six months, we just gotta get done with the commitment we committed to, we can't get out of it, you know, it's wrong, it's something that we need to handle. So sometimes that is your answer, is I evaluated it, I checked it, I made sure, I talked to my spouse about it, I, there's nothing I can do about it. Some of the times when we evaluate, it means pause, nothing. Sometimes it's, no, it's time to get rid of, but evaluating and sitting back in black and white is going to be your best bet at evaluating, as making sure, is this God-given? Is this a need? Can I change? Can I do something different? So evaluating, and my best advice is if it's money, write it down. If it's feelings, write it down. If it's, if it's any of those things or anything, you know? I have a lot of times with women, I will make a circle with lots of lots of people that go, I'm just overwhelmed. I have too much on my plate or I just, everything's out of control. Make a circle. You are that circle. 
Every, about any, any person I say about can take five things on in their lives. So you say, my family is number one. My work, okay? So you go, okay, so you're already two spots already taken up. You got work and family. So for me, you know, then you would say church because most of us attend church on a weekly basis here. So you go church. So before you get to any extra things that you have to deal with, you got three things taken up before you hit anything else. So your capacity as a, so when you go, okay, but I, I go to this group and I do this and I do this. Well, any person's capacity is about five major things in their life at a time. When you get beyond that, you're going to start feeling overwhelmed. Yes, my sister is the anomaly. She can have 10 things going on at once. That's her. But on the average person, for me, I'm about that person. I'm at five feet, and after five, I'm like, okay, there's too much going on, and I just feel like I can't keep up. And some people that's saying, we're working on our debt right now. So that would be one other branch because it's a focus in your life. It's, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a place that you go, but something that you're putting all your energy in. You're building a house. You're moving. You're whatever one of those things is. That's, that's one of the spots of the five that you're doing. Jason's in the middle, getting his family here. But that's taking everything he's putting his energy into everything he's thinking about. I've got to get furniture. I've got to make sure there's food when they get back. All what he's doing, you're talking Job, to him. You know it. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's everything. But after, if he added something on his plate right now, I can tell you, Jason would be going, I can't. There's no, I can't do anything. I'm already at the limit. Yeah, he's at his limit. So I just, when I talk about evaluating, sometimes that is, it's about making a circle. You are the circle. What five things can you do? And maybe you go, right now, I'm recovering out of drugs, so I only could probably take two things on my plate, you know, because you're working on something so much, and so every person's capacity is different. Average person, I say, is about four or five, but so evaluating, if that's money and finances that we're working on, if it's your marriage, if it's whatever, black and white paper, you know, writing everything down is going to be your best bet of evaluating. I know I could give you all these other things, but those are just real simple, like, this is how you can look at it. Um, the, sev the seventh one is the law of uh, uh, being proactive. Um, just like evaluating things, you know, laying everything out and prioritizing things. Um, and, and, you know, we've had to come to a place uh, a couple times in our, in our young lives where we've had, to, uh, we've had to go, okay, what is a necessity and, and, what, and what is just not needed right now? And, uh, you know, being in ministry that you can end up getting yourself wrapped up in teaching multiple Bible studies, cleaning the church, preaching on Sundays, prayer group on Wednesdays. I mean, you could, before you know it, you have so much church... Act we, we've had situations where I've had so much church activity, she's had so much church activity, that we have no time for each other. And we've had to sit back and evaluate and say, okay, I know... This is a really good ministry, and we and and we and the people there they value it, and it's a good thing. But if if it consumes so much of our time, you know this one's good, this one's okay, but one of them has to go because we need to be able to make time to spend with our kids and to be able to make sure our family's health is good so that we have enough to do the ministry uh, that is required. In the same way, in the working environment. Yeah, you could put you could pick up some some overtime hours, but by picking up overtime hours week after week after week after week, you know if your husband or or you know or if you, your or your wife will eventually get burnt out on it, 
and say, okay, I love that you worked 60 hours like the, the last two months and we have this you know, extra money to eventually you know, pay off this or go on a vacation, whatever the case may be, but I would just rather just have you. I'd rather you work the 40 hours, even 50 hours, and I would just rather just spend time with you. And those are all things you gotta evaluate. It's just, it, and, and that's a lot of evaluation. Being proactive uh, comes along with evaluation. As you evaluate the situations, um, it's better to be able to make plans ahead of time. And, and, and the way I describe it is you, you, you plan for, uh, sometimes you gotta plan for the worst and hope for the best. It doesn't mean that you have a lack of faith. It doesn't mean that you don't believe that God is going to come through for you. But if you prepare to say, you know what, I don't, you know, I, I don't exactly know what's going to come through. If this, if I'm going to get this promotion, if, or if I'm going to get this job, or whatever the case may be, you just set up as many scenarios and plans as you possibly can, so that when when, when things do come or when things do change in your life, that you're you're prepared for it. Uh, my uh, growing up in my household, my dad always said, "You know what? Yeah, I have a I have a good job, but you never know what can can happen in the economy." And this is when the economy was doing great in the you know the '90s, and and uh, he said, "You just never know. You never know." So he always had an idea of something he could fall back on, just in case something had happened. In, that's that's an example of a work-related thing, but even in just life, you just never, you know, you you can't, we can't, you know, take the crystal ball and see everything that's going to happen ahead of time. But we can plan as many. We it's good to plan accordingly as many things as we can, instead of something occurring in our life and we have we're having to react to it. When we had a. Uh, we had a situation, you know, where Jocelyn's mom got sick. We didn't expect that she was going to get sick. But when she did get sick, we knew that we had, you know, a, a allotted amount of time within our family. We had an allotted amount of time with the church to try to, you know, be proactive and get things ready for a new season of life. Uh, life is full of seasons, and they're always up and down and all over the place. And so we knew that this was going to be a season, and the season after that, after Jane had passed away, we knew that there was going to be an adjustment period for the church and for our family. And so we had to prepare for that the best of our ability. We had to be proactive. Now, it didn't all work out. We had to react to certain situations. Um, but if we didn't prepare at least some for what we did, uh, you know, it, it, it would have been a much tougher season of life. And so... Um, and, and, and in everything that we do, you know, it's important that the boundary, that we're setting up uh, proper boundaries to be proactive uh, instead of, you know, being caught off guard and going, wow, I really just didn't expect that to happen. Now what are we going to do? Um, and uh, it, it's, uh, that's the law of proactivity. Number eight is the law of envy. So this is like if... You're sitting there and you're looking at your life going, I wish I was that person. I wish I had that person's life. Or you look at the situation and you're envious of it. And you're sitting there realizing, I actually don't want to be sitting where I'm sitting. I want to be sitting where they're sitting. I want to be where they are. It's a really good checkpoint in your life. Just It's just a red flag to go, whoa, whoa, whoa. Then that means I need to change something. Then, then I need to go and fix a problem. 
that there's a problem inside of me. Not that they're wrong. They didn't do anything to you. They just were living their life and, you know, and a lot of times people go, well, envy is bad. Well, you know what? It's a good check in your heart to say if you're really wanting what something else has or somebody else has or whatever, a lot of times when we think about envy, you go, oh, that, I really want that car. This is beyond the fickle of tangible things and money. It's more about, you know, you look at great women of God or men of God and you go, well, I want to be like them. Well, you know what? Then do something about it. Actually step out and be and do. It's just a checkpoint. All it is is a red flag to say the law of envy means if you are actually feeling envious of someone else or something else, then the next one is... <laughs> the, uh, law of the law of activity. So like Jocelyn was saying, you know, there, you, you, you know, it's not necessarily always, it's bad to be jealous, but being, having a, a certain level of envy or, or having a level of where you desire something um, that is greater for your life is not necessarily bad. You know, you look at, um, you may look at influential people that you've had in your life and you go, uh, man, I really would like to, you know, I would really like to be a dad like him someday. I would really like to, um, you know, have the work ethic or the job or whatever the case may be. And the, the next one is the law of activity. It's actually putting the, the desires and the things that God puts, puts in your, your life and, and actually going for it. I mean, I, I think of a, a situation. I'm going to pick on this guy a little bit because he, he grew up in my youth group. And then we actually had him come and stay in our house uh, and then he got married and him and his wife lived in our house for a little while and uh, now he's been married for a couple years and I actually got married in this church um, he doesn't go to church here but he got married in this church and this situation is about this young guy who he, he always had this desire of doing great things in his life he, he wanted to uh, get married he wanted to have a family, and he wanted to uh, start churches, be a church planter, pastor, church planter. And he had gifts and abilities. He could play play the guitar. Uh, he had a gift and ability to teach and preach. Um, he had a, a he definitely had a pastor's heart. He loved he loved people. Um, he was always one of my youth group leader leader kids, kids in the youth group that was a leader and. Um, but he always, and, and he always had great ideas, but when it came down to taking it from an idea and then putting it into motion and actually following through with it and, and, and getting through the hard work part where some traction, well, yeah, he lacked traction. He lacked the ability to move forward and, and carry out, uh, whatever the task needed to be in order for him to reach that goal or that desire. Uh, it's something that uh, is an epidemic for a lot of people <laughs> in, in our country, um, and especially, you know, for, um, you know, for certain people. They, they, they're great. They're the people you go to their house, and they always seem to have like six projects going on, but none of them are ever finished. If you've ever been to the house where they're remodel they're, they're all, they've been remodeling their house for 10 years, and, but the, the project that they started remodeling 10 years ago, 
they still have about you know 25% of that needs to be done. So yeah, they have the nice you know shower floor and you know and they have you know their shower's almost done except they have no door to the shower or something you know those kind of things. Maybe you can relate with that, but there are some, <laughs> but there's sometimes you know you have to have a level of activity where you follow through and you continue to to move past those situations. The thing with activity though is. You're all when when you are um, being active and trying to carry out certain tasks or t to get to certain goals in your life, uh, you you have to be able to again goes back to all the other ones is have a clear plan put in place. Is having that evaluation of saying realistically, can I do this? When can I do it? And how can I carry this out? If you I uh, have a situation, and, and, and I, I came out of college and I had an extreme amount of credit card debt. And it seemed way above and beyond anything that I thought I could ever tackle. And I had to put that plan, before, I, I had to put it before God and say, God, I don't know what to do. I'm going into ministry, you know, and, and I have this thing that is such a burden on me that will actually probably not even allow me to be in ministry because I'll have to make so much more than what a starting youth pastor will have to make in order to pay this off. And um, I, I started working with a Christian credit counseling company and eventually um, married Jocelyn. And I even thought that Jocelyn wasn't going to marry me because of my extreme credit card debt. Um, luckily she did. <laughs> but I had to put that before God and say, I have to be active in doing this because what I could have done a couple things. I could have laid down and played dead and just said, you know what, it's just so out of reach, I'm just not going to pay any of it, just have no credit, you know, not have to worry, just not, I won't buy a car, nothing like that, I'm just going to just file bankruptcy someday. It hasn't worked ever. Um, and, uh, or I could, you know, and Jocelyn really helped me out with this, is say, hey, let's put a plan in place and let's be active in trying to pay this thing off, you know, let's no extra stuff let's just go for it and do this and uh we did we managed to pay it off in one in one year and i still to this day i mean i still to this day i have no idea how because i i don't even i don't even think we made that much money in a year so it was definitely a god thing we put it before god uh, you know and we were able to to pay that off but the only but the uh you know number one we put it before god and anything that you need to be that 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 needs some level of activity in it, you got to put it before God when you move on anything. You got to you got to first come to God and say, God, I need your help in making and helping me be active towards this goal, towards whatever it is decision that you're trying to make in your life. For that, this was paying off debt. For some of you, it could be getting right with somebody in your life, a relationship, and you put it before God and you say, God, I need some help doing this, and I need you to. I, I need some help with some direction. And when God gives you some direction, you got to move. You got to move. This young guy, he had all these vision and, and he had all this desire, but he wouldn't get off his lazy butt and go to school to, to get to that, that goal that he had. He had you got you to gotta move. There has to be a level of activity. I, I have sat in a couple churches in my life where they sat and prayed for 30 years for God to move. When God was right in front of their face and he's saying, let's move. Moses, 
led people and they had, you know, and he, he had this, you know, or there was this group of people in the Old Testament. Every time the cloud moved, they were to move underneath the cloud and that was God's protection and that was God's direction that he was guiding the people. If those people didn't keep on moving with God, they would have been left behind and they probably would have died. In the same way, when God is moving and God wants you to move and he's giving you a direction, you know, it's not the time to hide out and stay back it's, and, and be lazy. It's time to get up and go and move. Um, number 10 is the law of exposure. So, this one I love because it actually requires to actually say. So, so a lot of times we have a broken relationship. Or I can use this example because I, a lot of people actually have this in our church. So you have children that have never moved out of your house. Like, never. Like, and it's an epidemic. There's the 20s and 30s that just never moved out of mom and dad's house. And it, is, it happens, it happens all over. And we have people come in and go, how do I get them out of my house? You set a boundary. You say, I'm giving you six months and it's time to get out. There's lots of times where, guess what? We all make our mistakes and we have to come back to mom and dad for six months or a year until we get back on our feet. There's a different story. There's a difference between need help for a couple months or I never, ever left. Like, Never. They're not going to college. They didn't get a job. They're living off their parents. Like, literally, there is a big difference between I need a couple months after college or a year to, like, actually get some income and a deposit to put down on my first farm. There's a difference between I never went to college, I didn't graduate high school, and I'm still mooching off of you and eating your food and, you know, rent-free. And parents look at me and say, what do I do? I'm like, well, you set up a guideline and say, I'm setting up a boundary. Today is it. You speak up. It's called exposure because you are taking it and exposing it. You are saying, this is the boundary, and I don't want you to cross it. And if you cross it, there is consequences. You know, a lot, I stood, it was in a very abusive relationship, and I eventually had to say, you hit me one more time, I walk out the door. You lose me, you lose the kids one more time. And guess what? He did it one more time, and I left. And he could have come back, and I said, you can take six months of counseling. I'll still be here. He never did any of that. But that wasn't, you know, I set up a boundary. And it's called exposure because I had to uh, I had to stand out. And was it scary? Absolutely was it scary that I didn't know where I was going or what I was going to do. And could I actually follow through on this? And I did follow through. My parents were great about helping me follow through. They said, your safety is important. But at the same time, it's scary because it's exposing you. When you, it's scary because... You don't know if that person's going to be angry when you set up that boundary. You don't know if that person's, how they're going to react back at you because it's, you're being bold. You're stepping out and saying, I'm, I'm, this is the line in the sand. And if you cross this, there are consequences. And that's exposing. When you set up a boundary, there needs to be, you need to talk about, this is why I'm doing the boundary. I'm doing this because it's, it, lots of times boundaries are set up, they may hurt someone because when you break that that's there's a consequence and all those things it could hurt but it's who is it more harmful to and there's a difference between with boundaries hurt and harm lots of times god uses our hurt when we have to say okay i have to walk away from this relationship i can't do this anymore that that's hurt you're both hurt it's okay to be hurt god uses and works through hurt but if we don't say that if i never spoke up and i just continue to get beat I was being harmed. There's harm that we have to 
and I'm harming that person by not saying you're harm. You know, this is not okay. There's harm involved in that relationship. So there's a difference between hurt and harm, and you have to realize that yes, setting up boundaries. Kids could get their feelings hurt. They could get their toes stepped on. There could be some hurt involved. But God uses hurt. God uses hurt to work through to get us in places. It it's like exercising. When we exercise, you know, you you're like, okay, I'm really sore. Like, okay, I don't really want to move. At the same time, is is it healthy? Is it good for you? Absolutely. You're building muscle. You're getting stronger. Same difference is when we set up boundaries. It may hurt. It may be sore. It may be new muscles that we haven't exercised in a long time. But that's super important because ultimately the harm is being taken out of that situation, out of that relationship. And, and yes, it's scary and being exposed is not fun and all those things, but at it, you know, the law of exposure is the culmination of all these other laws. The red flags have gone off. You've, you know, you set your black, you know, set your plans in place. You know what you need to do. Then you have to speak up. It's great if you know the boundary in your head. But if the people that are break, if that you feel are breaking those boundaries, or they have to know they're breaking them. You can't just sit in the corner and go, everyone's breaking my boundaries, and I. They don't know because you have to speak up and you have to be accountable. And the only way this law works is if you follow through. You set it up. You say you're gonna do it. You have to follow through, or else there was no boundary to begin with. And whoever is in that relationship is gonna test that boundary because there's never been a boundary before. This is the first time there has been a boundary. So you have to set a boundary. You have to say, this is why, this is the consequence, this is, this is all those things. And, but speaking up is a big part of that. But following through, if you speak up, you gotta follow through. If you're not willing to follow through, then you don't really have a boundary. Because they go hand in hand. And, and a lot of times they're like, you know, lots of people are scared. You're scared of what's going to come back. You say all these things and then the bomb's going to go off. And I want everyone to think about, you're sitting in this class for boundaries for a while. When that bomb goes off on the other side, when that person gets upset, when you actually lay down that boundary, what's the worst that happens? The bomb goes off. The bomb goes off. And guess what? A lot, you know, the Bible talks about that if you can have a relationship and you can bring up issues with each other that you can make them your best friends through that relationship. Or they never were supposed to be there to start. Yeah. And so what's the worst thing that happens? They go away, it dissipates, it's not that relationship no longer. And sometimes that's what God wants. And, and in marriage, I think you should stick it up. I think that unless you're being hurt and harmed and those things, then, you, then the bomb goes off. And I've sat in lots of counseling sessions and you put it back together, but you put it back in God's way and not the broken way it was. If you can expose it and it can come to light, it can be fixed. It really can. There is a lot of grace and all that, but but unless you expose something, it can never be fixed. If it sits in the dark, it, no one knows. The, the person, which is crazy lots of times when we sit in the counseling session, the person may never know that they did anything wrong because you never said you broke a boundary. They don't, half the time, Especially men have no idea that they've done something wrong. It's just the truth. And if unless you speak up and say, hold on, you broke a boundary. You hurt me. There, there's hurt here. Hurt is easily fixed. Harm, totally different story. But hurt is is not even necessarily easily fixed. It is fixable. I got broke a boundary last week, remember? <laughs> I'm over trying to call her. <laughs> trying to re, re-fix it. It, you know, it's like the uh, it's like the beach ball. You know, you're in the swimming pool, and 
if, you know, if you're, you're you're trying to suppress it, you know, underneath, you know, and see how long you can hold it. Eventually, that thing's gonna explode. The longer you suppress and the farther you push it down, the motion the, 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 going on. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna blow. It's gonna blow. So yeah, I can speak directly to that. Yep. There's if the longer you hold on to a hurt, it takes. I've learned from my own experience. The longer you hold on to a hurt, instead of going to the person that crossed that boundary and getting it out, it takes twice as long to fix. And it's not that it takes twice as long for it to fix with you and the other person, it takes twice as long for you to fix yourself. But you end up another me, person right in front of you. It's taken me almost 20 years to fix my relationship with my dad. Almost 20, and I'm not that old. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 25, 26 years for me and my dad before he passed away to fix our bridges between each other. So, he died a couple years ago. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, but we became close friends right before he passed away. Real close friends. We were movies everywhere together. We became inseparable. And it's just a lot of things that happened in the past between us. And you're probably, you know, and, and you're, at, you're probably at peace about your relationship with your father as if you you never did bring bring it up. The life I've had was the one when we made up and we patched things together. It was like the best, you know, life I had with my father. Even as a child, it was nothing compared to what I had afterwards. It was a lot better. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's, uh, you know, some people, they'll, they'll go through their entire life, you know, just you know, if there the, there was a boundary that was broke, and the other person didn't even know they broke the boundary, and uh, they just don't they don't understand what you know what broke down in the relationship. And sometimes they think it's something else when really deep down it's something completely different. And they used all these other things, to you know, circumstance or something that happened at a family event or whatever the case may be, or something that was said, and they'll use that when really it's something else, and the other person just. They, they can't believe, well, you broke our relationship over this issue, and then the truth be known, it was something much more, and so um, it's, it's you know, it's uh, boundaries are going to be broken. I mean, every one of us that are sitting in this room is probably, you know, he's broken a boundary or has had a boundary broken by people that we love um, and people that we have loved and we have broken boundaries with, too, and uh, um, the great thing is, is that you know, despite boundaries being broken in our lives, and you know that uh, that God is a God of reconciliation, and even though we have made mistakes, God is always bring putting bringing our relationship ready to bring our relationship back to Him. He's always ready to bring us back in and put put the pieces together, um, in the same way that He is ready to bring our lives back together and our relationship back together with Him in the same way it's not impossible for God to bring things back together with other people and other things in our lives and um, that's one of the beautiful things about about um, um, God giving us His Son Jesus because it's the it's the uh, ultimate example of reconciliation we live in a very broken you know the, the world was very broken very far apart from God um, but through Jesus and through God's grace he was able to use Jesus as a 
uh, as a place of reconciliation for us to be able to connect with God again. And that's what's so great about the gospel, is that uh, we live in a day and age where reconciliation takes place and is given to us every single day. And the more that we remember that reconciliation, that's why we take communion, to remember that reconciliation that took place. Not only to say, thank you, thank you, Jesus, thank you, God, for, for reconciling my life, but, but it even says when it, in Scripture about, you know, when they're taking communion, they even say that you need to go make it right with other people, just as I have reconciled with you. In the same way, when you take communion, you need to go, remember to go reconcile with other people and other things in your life as well. Um, bound, you know, boundaries are going to be broken. Um, but, uh, and it's still important as we do put the pieces back together that we reestablish those boundaries. But in order for that to happen, we have to sometimes reconcile even within ourselves and with others. Um, it's important. Like if you have a family member that's from a long, long way back in the past that's angry at you for something you did, call them. Uh, try to make, you know, just, uh, how you say, uh, fix a broken wound, fix the bridge. Yeah. Right, what did you do? If you try to fix a bridge that was broken a long time ago. Well, uh, before we close, does anybody have any uh, anything else they would like to to add, or uh, any any one of these laws that really you know that that really uh, jumped out at them? Or anything? I feel. <laughs> <laughs> a few, yeah. So. Well, we'll, uh, we'll close in prayer. Uh, Jesus, thank you for the reconciliation we have received uh, through the sacrifice uh, that you made. Um, even through uh, your death on the cross, uh, you resurrected, showing that uh, even in situations that the people of that day and even the people of this day don't always completely understand why certain things transpire the way they do, uh, is that you have a plan, and your plan is reconciliation. A plan to, uh, as boundaries have been broke, as, and as boundaries continue to be broken, uh, that uh, you are a God of grace, and uh, you, you reach your hand of grace to each and every one of us. I pray that as we reestablish certain boundaries in our lives, that uh, we be a people that understand uh, what you've given us and that in the same way that you've extended grace to us that we extend grace to uh, other people in other situations in our lives. And uh, I pray that uh, as we are now at the halfway point in this series, Lord, that, uh, um, that we be a people that are active uh, not just listeners, but doers as well. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.